Good morning and welcome listeners to today's edition of News from the Drug Warfront. I'm Dave and I'm joined here by Marion. Good morning, Marion. Good morning, David. Good morning, listener. How are we all this morning? It is a beautiful day today. Worth going outside to listen to the radio show, mm-hmm. if never, if nothing else. Although not at my house. My house is... Do not go anywhere near the road up in Ainsley because I tell you, it's full of trucks. Okay. <laughs> so news from the drug war front is brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy and The Connection, which is Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander clients. News from the drug war front promotes a broad array of services provided with Karma, provided by Karma, sorry. It also reports on stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and from around the world and promotes discussion and education about the need for different approaches to dealing with the harms caused by problematic drug use in a world of prohibition. Before we go any further, we'll kick off with a song and we'll start off with some Cheap Trick.
was Cheap Kick with Surrender. You're listening to news from the drug war front, brought to you by Karma here on People Powered Radio 2XXFM 98.3. Okay. Um, Karma is uh, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy, and the connection is uh, the uh, peer education um, project for uh, Indigenous people. Uh, it's also a peer education organisation, meaning the provision of services for people who use drugs by people who use or have used drugs. The idea of peer education is that, or peer service provision, is that there is no power differential between the people providing services and the people who receive or are recipients of those services. Because there's no power difference doesn't mean there is no knowledge difference. And the interesting thing and informative thing about karma and the connection is that the people who conduct the services that karma uh, runs, and there are many, um, are run by people who know what users have been through and are going through. So at Karma, we believe that people who use drugs should be treated with dignity and respect, both as human beings and as consumers of health and social services. Karma works to reduce discrimination and stigma experienced by drug users and often um, by drug users themselves to each other. Karma also speaks for our community's equal rights by progressing drug law reform agendas. Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy is the drug user organisation and alcohol and tobacco and other drug consumer organisation um, for the ACT. Karma is a not-for-profit incorporated association and is recognised as part of the ACT's specialist drug treatment organisation conducting peer-based drug treatment from our drop-in community centre. Uh, programming includes peer treatment support programs, First Nations program from Con Connection, uh, the Naloxone program, and there's a training uh, program this afternoon at Dave's uh, Running. Correct. Yeah, at the uh, early morning centre this uh, afternoon at and 2 o'clock. At um, the 90, and that's at 69 North Bourne Avenue, um, Avenue in Civic. Yes. Places are still available, so if you'd like to book a place to attend, um, six two, call Karma. Yep, 62. Before 1 o'clock on 62533643, or you can pop into the early morning centre. I never recognise that number when you say it like that, Dave, because I always say it one number at a time, not right. double three, six two five three. Three six four three. That oh. way, I recognise. <laughs> <laughs> but do ring Karma and see if you can attend this afternoon. It only goes for an hour and a half. Oh, not yep. even that. An hour. For an hour. Yeah, we should be finished before the horse race begins. And they're still getting paid for it. Yep. yep. You get paid to attend, and you also walk away with not only doses of naloxone or nixoid. As it's called, the puffer is called, um, and the capacity to save someone's lives if they have overdose from opioids, and it's a really important skill to have. And Nexoid does nothing but reverse the effects of overdose. It has no side effects, um, 
other than to save people's lives. And it is a very potent thing to do and a very powerful feeling to have when you have saved someone's life. So, you know, please get involved. Please learn how to do it. Naloxone is available free. Um, from pharmacies yeah. and from Karma and from the Needle Exchange Program. Each box of naloxone, the Nixoid spray, has a description on how to apply naloxone in the puffer form um, to reverse the effects of an opioid overdose. So it's really important that you at least get a box of of uh, the opioid reversal medication and do the training is better because you learn and get to ask questions about it but if nothing else go and get yourself a dose of Nixoid a dose of naloxone because it's a really useful thing skill to have uh, to continue with the program community development Mentoring program, the fixed peer education program, news from the drug fort—that's us. Warfront uh, radio show, reach, teach, treat, Hep C peer education treatment project in partnership with Hepatitis C, Karma Primary Healthcare Clinic, which is on Thursdays from eleven till two. Yeah, ten till two. Ten till two. Yeah. Well, yeah, the doctor's usually there by eleven anyway. But it's really important. If you need health and you you don't have your own GP, and many people in Canberra don't have their own GP, but if you want to go to get health care of any kind, particularly non-judgmental health care, which is really important for users, that's one of the reasons they don't go to treat health care treatment, is because they get judged for their drug use. If you go to the health clinic uh, Thursdays at Karma, you will not be judged on the basis of your drug use. You will simply be assessed on what ailment you present with or what symptoms you present with. Um, Karma Clinic is an in-reach partnership with Directions Healthcare Service, which provides an on-site doctor and nurse at uh, Karma, which is at uh, Shop 17, Level 154, Benjamin Way, the drop-in hours for Karma and the connection are 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday to Friday. And you can ring them up on 6253 or email them at info at Self-stigmatisation is something that we need to be really careful yeah. of too and mm -hmm. I don't want to ignore that. At because it's a really important part. If you think about the way you behave towards other, if you get angry with another drug user, your inclination is to call them a junkie. Now, if there is ever a word that is fraught with stigmatisation and insult, it is that word, junkie. So still, and we often call ourselves junkies let alone calling other people a junkie. So it simply means, and we need to reclaim that word so that it no longer becomes a stigmatising word, but simply a description of somebody with a particular kind of behaviour. Under Karma Services, you can read about some of the activities we do make 
the most of. Uh, we do to make uh, the activities we do to make the most of this understanding in our efforts to make the lives of drug users safer, healthier, and happier. We do this by providing peer support, education, representation, and advocacy. We promote improved health for drug users and through the provision of education information, seek to reduce the harms associated with licit and illicit injecting and other drug use. By representing drug users on decision-making uh, committees, we provide a drug user perspective and a voice in the development of policies and programs that impact the lives and health of illicit drug users. And that's really important. I mean, Chris is always there. Mm -hmm. If there is a committee that relates to particularly to uh, illicit drug users or to drug users of any kind, um, then somebody, a peer from... Karma will be present on that committee to give the drug users perspective because without the input from drug users, the difference in the provision of services for drug users would be monumental. And in fact, you will have noticed over the past mm, 10 years at least that there has been a monumental difference in the way that services have been provided and the kinds of services that are provided for drug users, illicit or licit, but people who currently use drugs. So, anyway, karma, 6253-3643, turn up if you can or if you want to, learn what you need to learn or ring them up on 62533643 and find out what you want to find out or what you need to find out. So news from the drug war front reports on news stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and from around the world. Many of the articles featured in this program come from other sources, including mainstream media. The contents of this news from the drug war front broadcast and podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Karma and the Connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and we do not promote illegal activity. However, we recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and UN conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. We seek to reduce the harm associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. Mm. So we've already spoken this morning uh, about the naloxone training this afternoon. Uh, that's at two o'clock at the early morning centre. So we'll move on to the first uh, story. This comes from Nicole Lee in the conversation on the 3rd of November. When Oregon decriminalised drugs, overdoses went up. Will that happen in the ACT? So a new bill came into effect in the ACT the weekend before last, decriminalising personal possession of common illicit drugs. The bill decriminalises the possession of small amounts of illicit drugs, including cocaine, methamphetamine, MDMA, LSD, psilocybin, or magic mushrooms, and heroin for personal use. Critics of the move say that when similar laws were brought into effect in the US state of Oregon, 
overdose deaths went up. However, there was already an upward trend in Oregon, and Oregon now has lower rates of death from overdose than most other US states. So what does decriminalisation mean? Decriminalisation isn't legalisation. With decriminalisation, drugs are still illegal, but the criminal penalties are removed. Instead, they usually attract a fine, a bit like a speeding fine. The ACT will be the first Australian jurisdiction to to decriminalise common illegal drugs. In this model, people will be diverted from police to attend a one-off health information session where a health worker assesses their wellbeing and the need for support or intervention. They provide education, harm reduction information and make referrals to other services if required. Police will still confiscate illicit drugs that they find on people and drug dealing and trafficking are still criminal offences. This means that people who are caught with small amounts of some drugs will be diverted from the criminal justice system. Contact with the criminal justice system is one of the biggest harms from illicit drugs. There is no evidence enforcement-led solution to personal drug use or harms. But having a criminal record can have a long-term impact on getting a job, securing housing or travelling overseas in particular, which can then increase the likelihood of further drug use. Current punishments in many states and territories include a possible prison sentence, policing of drug laws and the justice system itself disproportionately impacts Aboriginal people, Indigenous people or other people of colour. Young people have been described as being traumatised and dehumanised by the use of drug dogs and strip searches by police, as we spoke about last week. The change is supported by decades of research and uh, backed up by major health and human rights organisations such as the World Health Organisation, the United Nations and the Joint United Nations Nations Program on HIV-AIDS. We know from other jurisdictions that decriminalisation reduces harms from drugs and and increases seeking help. Portugal is the uh, the most well-known case. It decriminalised all drugs more than 20 years ago and has seen significant reductions in drug deaths, crime and drug use. But cities in Australia are concerned about the possible negative outcomes, pointing to problems in Oregon. The federal opposition unsuccessfully introduced a bill to overrun, overturn sorry, the ACT legislation. In November 2020, Oregon passed Measure 110, which decriminalised possession of small amounts of drugs for personal use. Instead of criminal charges, people are now given a US $100 fine or Australian $155 fine for possession, which is waived if they contact a support hotline. After Portugal decriminalised personal drug use in 2001, there was a drop in. There was a drop in drug-related deaths. In the two years after Measure 110 passed, opioid overdose deaths in Oregon more than doubled. So why did this happen in Oregon? 
the purpose of decriminalisation is merely to reduce one of the biggest harms from illicit drugs, contact with the criminal justice system. It has certainly achieved that in Oregon, especially among black Americans who are overrepresented overrepresented in the criminal justice system as uh, Indigenous Australians are in ours. In the year before Measure 110 was passed, overdose deaths in Oregon were already on the increase, up 69% in the previous year. Oregon was ranked second highest of all US states for substance use disorders, ranked last of 50 states for access to treatment. So decriminalisation on its own isn't intended to directly reduce use or overdoses. Portugal's success in reducing use and other harms, such as overdoses, is likely more to do with a significant investment in treatment and support. And as Oregon continues the rollout of treatment program funding, there are indications that 2023 overdose death rates have come down, tracking at half the rate of the year before. Oregon's overdose death rate is now one of the lowest in the United States. We know treatment is the most effective and cost-effective way to reduce use and harms associated with drugs. And a study in California found that for every $1 spent on drug treatment, the community saved $7 in other costs, primarily by reducing crime and increasing employment earnings. Decriminalisation needs to be supported by treatment, support and evidence-based harm reduction measures, such as access to naloxone and drug checking. Naloxone has been available for free with no prescription since July 2022 in Australia, and the take-home naloxone program will increase the availability of naloxone Australia-wide. The Queensland Government has given drug checking services the green light to start operating, and Canberra's fixed site drug checking service has been extended till December 2024. The service checked nearly 1,200 samples for their contents and provided more than 1,500 brief interventions in the first 12 months of operation. So will drug decriminalisation work in the ACT? The ACT is Australia's most progressive jurisdiction when it comes to drug laws. It removed criminal penalties for cannabis possession more than 30 years ago and in 2019 it introduced a homegrown model removing all penalties for the use and possession of small amounts of homegrown cannabis for personal use. It has the lowest rate of cannabis use in Australia. There has been no change in rates of cannabis use, drug driving offences or hospital presentations, and there has been a significant reduction in the number of Canberrans being exposed to the police and criminal justice systems. Mm, ultimately, we won't know the full impact of decriminalisation in the ACT until the bill has been implemented for some time. But evidence from places such as Portugal says it will increase diversion from the criminal justice system, improve access to treatment and harm reduction and reduce stigma towards people who use drugs. To significantly reduce drug use itself in the ACT also needs to increase investment in drug treatment. Mm. Well, it also needs to realise that there is only a certain amount to which you can reduce drug use, yeah. full stop. 
but there's um, always going to be a certain amount there, going on. And it is something we've acknowledged for years, and anybody with half a brain will acknowledge drug use has happened, has always happened, and will always happen, because it is. It's just a fact. Mm. Yep. Something to recognise. Okay. Anyway. Um, time for a song and yep. this is And then uh, we'll go to the news after that, yeah, will we? And we will go to the news after that. So this is Tracy Chapman oh, with talking not. about a revolution. Don't you know we're talking about a revolution sounds Don't you know Talking about a revolution It sounds like a whisper While they're standing in the welfare lines Crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation Wasting time in the unemployment lines Sitting around waiting for a promotion Don't you know Talking about a revolution It sounds Gonna rise up and get there, yeah. Poor people gonna rise up and take what's there. Tracy Chapman with talking about a revolution. Uh, you're listening to news from the drug war front brought to you by Karma and the Connection here on People Powered Radio 98.3 FM. Uh, we'll be going internationally after the news um, with some stories coming from Canada and the US and Afghanistan. So um, there's plenty more to come from news from the drug war front coming up straight after the news (laughs) 
You're listening to news from the drug war front, brought to you by Karma and the Connection here on People Powered Radio 2XX FM 98.3. And the walls of my house are so thick I hear nothing at all I followed you out in the store But it carried you off And I burned every picture of yours Was that not enough? Walking tall once set us apart Now we're down on all fours Do you cry my name in the dark Like I do yours Your storms are getting stronger now Trust is all bend and sway Hey! 
Uh, that was Rise Against with People Live Here. You're listening to news from the drug war front, brought to you by Karma and the Connection here on People Powered Radio 98.3 FM. Yeah, and if you appreciate public radio, as we do, and we all admire them immensely and thank them for the support of our show... Um, Feel free, in fact, don't feel free, but feel like you can donate to or support or become a member of 2XX. Um, call 2XX, get in contact with them, make a donation to 2XX, um, mention our show if you feel so inclined. Um, we are certainly very keen and we thank XX for their support of our program and in fact of our organisation so yeah we love 2XX and if you're listening to us you must love them too we do so many local shows live every week or record them um, and they are shows that would not get a look in anywhere else simply because they are personal or they're local or they're relevant to local issues um, things like uh, a knockback, I guess, of the the concept uh, that uh, the ABC put on last night on uh, Four Corners, which was horrifying in its uh, in the extreme. Not because they supported it, but simply because the idea of training women to be your slave and to be your possession is horrifying and when you think about the deaths or the murdering of one woman a you week, which is what's um, happening. provide a bit of context around this. Um, Absolutely. So I think uh, what Marion's talking about here was um, Four Corners last night featured Andrew Tate, who is an expat British influencer now living in Romania. Well, he's now in jail in Romania, I guess. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he got oh, jailed know. for... Um, I know oh, he I couldn't know. do any yeah. of his program anywhere in the United Kingdom. Yeah, oh, <laughs> of course, the same way yeah. that they got, got uh, who was it? Con Al, Capone. Al Capone was from tax avoidance. Mm. But, yeah, the point was that, that he was training men to train their women by uh, negative mm. reinforcement or positive reinforcement of submissive behaviour and given that our problem with uh, deaths with partner murders if you like of women we've been having one death a week by murder of a partner by a partner um, so the idea of training women how to be submissive is just horrifying and thank you, Dave, for clarifying that. But I only heard a little bit. I didn't watch the show last night, but I'm just horrified by the concept of mm -hmm. it. Anyway, so that's um, that's national. <laughs> that's our national news. We have an international story coming next. So the um, this is from Daryl Greer from the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation News, the 3rd of the 11th, 2023. I love the Canadian news. I watch it every news, yeah. actu every uh, morning, actually. Hundreds march in support of Safe Supply following the arrests of two Vancouver drug activists. 
More uh, than 400 safe supply supporters gathered in Vancouver's downtown east side Friday to protest the recent arrests of the founders of the Drug User Liberation Front, or DULF, which had been distributing a safe supply of illegal drugs in an effort to prevent overdose deaths. Vancouver police raided the group's office and other addresses last week and arrested Eris Nix and Jeremy Calcum, saying the organisation had publicly admitted to trafficking illegal drugs. The group's website said it says it provided 43 active participants up to 14 grams of substances that had been tested for safety, including cocaine, heroin and amphetamine each week, distributing a total of three kilograms of drug at cost price. As he walked with protesters down Hastings Street behind a banner calling for action on the toxic drug crisis on Friday, drug user activist and podcaster Garth Mullins told media, quote, the climate to harm reduction and safe supply has been getting increasingly hostile over the years, end quote. Some protesters carried a cardboard coffin representing the more than 13,000 people who've died of toxic, toxic drug poisoning since British Columbia declared a public health emergency in 2016. Dozens of people in Victoria also gathered on the steps of BC legislature, sorry, legislature in support of DULF. On October the 26th, police announced that multiple search warrants had been executed in an ongoing investigation into DULF. Inspector Phil Hurd, the commanding officer of the Vancouver Police Department's organised crime section, said at the time that although DULF was trying to reduce the harms caused by toxic drugs, quote, we have always warned that anyone who violates the Criminal Code or the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act could face enforcement and criminal charges. CBC News has reached out to the Vancouver Police Department to ask for an update on the investigation. Online court records don't show criminal charges against either Calicum or Nix. Safe supply efforts have drawn criticism from some doctors, researchers and politicians, including Federal Conservative Party leader Pierre Poilivier, probably from Quebec, <laughs> who say I'm the so strategy sorry. encourages drug use and that resources should be focused on treatment and recovery services. Yes, well, they would say that, wouldn't they? Mm. However, those at the march on Friday said DULF's work saved lives by providing drug users with safe substances, preventing them from having to buy drugs on the often deadly illicit market. A preliminary report from DULF found no known overdoses caused by the group substances and a 50% reduction in hospitalisations amongst participants. The preliminary conclusions have been evaluated by experts at the BC Centre on Substance Use. On Wednesday, an expert death review panel convened by BC's Chief, Chief Coroner, Lisa Lapointe, recommended BC establish and expand non-prescription safe supply programs to reduce deaths, such as DULF's Compassion Club model. 
The province says it's not considering the recommendation but is working to expand prescription safe supply options. Leslie McBain, with the group Mums Stop the Harm, said DULF was doing work that should be done by the government. And she said in an interview, we know that the government should be doing this, but we're so far away from that. And DULF, D-U-L-F had the courage, the compassion and really the love to go ahead and do it. Well, you know, they were peers, working for yeah. peers. Mm. Just in the middle of this, I might mention that Karma does have a drug-checking organisation in the ACT, which is open from 3 to 6 on Thursday and Friday from 6 to 9pm at the City Community Health Centre on Moore's, the corner of Moore and Alinga Street, Canberra City. Um, and people should make use of that. Absolutely. If they, because it is so important yeah. that we don't know the contents of illicit drugs simply because we can't find out in any other way other than to go to the drug checking centre. Mm-hmm. And now that we have a drug checking centre, <coughs> we should use it. Anyway, the article goes on. Last year, Health Canada denied DULF's request for an exemption from Canada's Controlled Drugs and Substances Act to run the initiative. The group had requested the same mechanism that allows supervised safe consumption sites to legally operate in Vancouver and for BC to pilot decriminalising small amounts of some drugs. The raids on DULF came after weeks of pressure from BC United for the government to investigate the activities of DULF, saying in a news release in September that it was, quote, unacceptable that public money is being used to purchase illicit drugs on the dark web. Vancouver Coastal Health's website says the Drug User Liberation Front Society received $200,000 of public money in 2021, funding which the government has since ended. Solicitor General Mike Farnworth said the legislature last week that the contra- uh, said in the legislature last week that the contract was for drug testing, not to buy drugs. Leslie McBain, who lost her only child to an overdose, says policymakers have been slow to take the kind of action needed to keep parents like her from losing more loved ones. Quote, civil disobedience is really the only way things change, she said. We've lost kids. We're in it for the long haul here. We don't want other people to lose their kids. Or, and I say or their parents, or Mm. their grandparents, or their aunts or uncles, or any of their family members or their friends. Anyway, it goes on. Vancouver registered nurse Trevor Goodyear likened current drug laws to those that previously prohibited abortion and homosexuality in Canada, telling CBC News on uh, Thursday, quote, Sometimes when a law isn't going to change, it's going to be broken. And, of course, when people are frustrated with losing loved ones to the drug poisoning crisis, folks are going to act and break these laws. Scott uh, Archondus, yep, that's it, Archcondus or Archondus, who volunteered in the downtown east side, 
said drug users continued to be marginalised long after the declaration of the public health emergency. Quote, we're a vilified population down here, he said. He said he's known more than 100 people that have died in the last few years, including two he had tried to resuscitate after finding them overdosing in an alley. He said, quote, there's traumatic repercussions that come with that and it's just created an angry little bee in me. It's going to take legislation to actually treat drug users like human beings, to treat impoverished people like human beings. I can't help but yeah. say and, um, yes for that. For people who came along to the Avil Stigma Conference at Parliament House last night, they'll probably recognise the names Eris Nix and Jeremy Callicum because they came out here and talked about the Dulf oh, Project they? providing um, drugs. And they were actually more concerned at the time that they were more vulnerable to organised crime and, you know, having um, people with Tommy guns come Than and the police. Than the police. Yeah. The, the police well, were actually kind of turning a blind eye and seeing how things progressed, but it seems that... But, and they the thought that the problem would no be, from them. their intervention in what was a very profitable enterprise for mm. organised crime, yeah. when in fact they should have been keeping an eye on the police mm. who were actually targeting them. Yeah. That's a real problem, and I'm very sorry for that. It's mm. horrifying, but civil disobedience may well be the way to go. Yep. And I, you know, can't help feeling that's what happened in New York too. That's how mm. they got needle and syringe exchange going, yeah. was the civil disobedience of mm -hmm. a, a group of volunteers. Yeah. Um, in fact, Drug Referral Information Centre now directions. Yeah. Um, sent funding. I think we sent uh, in those days a thousand dollars American mm -hmm. to. Seattle, Washington, so that they yep. could, because it was cheaper for them to buy needles and syringes, we were being charged 37 cents a unit yep. in the ACT, buying them through the ACT government, I might add, but we were being charged a fortune, whereas in Seattle, they were something like seven cents a unit. Mm. Yep. So by giving them a thousand dollars um they would buy syringes and send them over to new york for them to distribute right um and really it was we got a big shout out and a thank you mm. from them for doing that so i felt you know very proud of drick for doing that at yeah. the time but it, i mean it's one of the unfortunate things that you have um people Committing civil disobedience to save people's lives, yes. and they're now being chucked in jail for it. Yep, and well, they could and, be and, facing long jail sentences. And in fact, too. they probably wouldn't get the promotion or the pop the popular um, overt ad advertising if they yep. hadn't been arrested for mm. their civil disobedience. Yeah, so there was that, but. <laughs> To be charged with dealing um, and then be sentenced and found guilty meant that their access to particularly travel mm. but at any other kind of employment was going to be reduced monumentally, especially for supply, yep. <coughs> which has with it, carries with it a huge stigma 
yeah. stigmatic, you know, um, reputation. Yeah. Time for a song. Yeah, let's go yeah. for one of them.
That was Your Fiddle Fingers with Safest Houses. You're listening to News from the Drug War Front, brought to you by Karma and the Connection, here on People Powered Radio 2XX 98.3 FM. This next story comes from Jacob G. Hornberger from the Future of Freedom Foundation, written on the 3rd of November 2023, and it's called The Futility and Destructiveness of the Drug War. Now, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Louisiana just sent out a press release reporting that a New Orleans federal judge has sentenced a 28-year-old man, Derek Nolan, to 15 years in a federal penitentiary for drug-related crimes. The press release states, quote, This case is part of Project Safe Neighbourhoods, or PSN, a program bringing together all levels of law enforcement and the communities they serve to reduce violent crime and gun violence and to make our neighbourhoods safer for everyone. What a joke. Do these people really believe such nonsense? Mm -mm. The author grew up in Laredo, Texas, which is situated on the Texas-Mexican border and has long been a hub for the illegal importation of drugs into the United States. Like that U.S. Attorney's, Gen- Attorney's Office in New Orleans, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Laredo has been sending out drug war press releases since the 1960s, celebrating the latest conviction in the war on drugs and proclaiming how it is bringing about a safe community. Mm. Moreover, like that federal judge in New Orleans, the federal judges who have been presiding over drug cases in Laredo for the past 50 years have been sentencing drug war defendants to extremely high jail sentences. Yet what good have all those high jail sentences done? They have done no good at all. Indeed, they obviously did not dissuade Derek Nolan from committing drug war offences nor have they dissuaded tens of thousands of other people from doing the same thing during the last 50 years. It's amazing to me that federal judges and federal prosecutors today can't see that. They just mindlessly do what federal prosecutors and federal judges have been doing for the past 50 years, blindly enforcing the drug war and sending out press releases announcing their so-called victories and convincing themselves that they are making American communities safe. Here's something else that the feds fail to realise. It is their beloved drug war that gives rises to drug, rise to drug dealers like Derek Nolan. 
That's because drug prohibition brings enormously high black market profits, which induce people to go into the drug business. If there were no drug prohibition, Derek Nolan would never have been dealing drugs because there would be no enormously high black market drug profits. Indeed. So, every Sunday, American Christians, including many U.S. attorneys and U.S. district court judges, go to church where they pray, lead us not into temptation. Then, the rest of the week, they support a decades-old failed and destructive government program that does precisely that. It tempts people, especially poor people, to go into the drug trade because of the enormously high black market prices. Yes, Nolan will end up spending the next 15 years of his life in a federal penitentiary, just as the drug war defendants have been doing continuously since the 1960s. What will that accomplish? It will accomplish nothing. Take my word for it. That U.S. Attorney's Office in New Orleans will soon be sending out a press release, a new press release, announcing that another drug war, war victory, one which will, which <clears throat> some drug war enforcing federal judge has done his part to win the war on drugs by meeting out another high jail, jail, high jail sentence. It's all a decades-old, ongoing, never-ending, corrupt deadly and destructive racket, one that keeps destroying the lives of so many people while at the same time keeps an enormously large drug war bureaucracy, including US attorneys, US uh, assistant US attorneys, federal judges, DEA agents, court clerks, secretaries and other law clerks in high cotton. Yes, quite. Absolutely. And if they went back to the beginning of it and they thought about the gun laws yeah. and how many people were dying because of those mm. or the absence yeah. of restrictive gun mm. laws, they might Yeah, difficult to ha- keep your neighbourhood safe when there's as many people yeah. carrying guns around. And, it's ludicrous. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, all right, so we'll go on to the next one. We might yeah, do absolutely. half of that and then do a song. Uh, well, it's only a short one, the next one, so let's do the next story and then we'll oh, go Oh, it is a only a short one, yes. Yeah. I didn't realise there was a heading. Okay, opium cultivation in Afghanistan plunges by 95%. Well, I'd be plunging too if I had the Taliban on my mm. back. This is from the VOA News. VOA, who are they? Anyway, the 5th of the 11th, 2023. The United Nations said uh, said Sunday the Taliban's ban on drugs in Afghanistan had resulted in a 95% drop in Afghan cultivation of opium poppies, which are used to make morphine and heroin. The UN Office on Drugs and Crime documented the, quote, near total contraction end quote, of the Afghan opiate economy in its latest annual survey of Afghan opium poppy cultivation. The UNODC estimates Afghan farmers have lost more than a billion dollars in income from opium sales due to the sharp decline, 
which could lead to dire economic and humanitarian op- uh, consequences for the impoverished country. You know, that plus the earthquake, plus mm. the, you know, the ad- advance of the Taliban, yeah. plus the fact that Pakistan, you know, is busy vacillating in terms of where people should be living or not living, mm. plus the fact that they've restricted women to doing absolutely nothing but staying inside compounds. Anyway, I digress. Uh, the Taliban, uh, the Taliban government banned poppy cultivation in Afghanistan. Then the world's largest heroin producer, in April of last year, according to the UNODC survey, quote, opium cultivation fell across all parts of the country, from two hundred thirty-three thousand hectares to just ten thousand eight hundred hectares in twenty twenty-three. The decrease has led to a corresponding 95% drop in the supply of opium from 6,200 tonnes in 2022 to just 333 tonnes in 2023. Did I say 2023 the first time? I meant 2022. So it was a year later anyway to 2023. Farmers' income from selling the 2023 opium harvest to traders fell by more than 92% from an estimated one... 1,360 million US dollars for the 2022 harvest to 110 million dollars US in 2023. And one of the reasons why there's probably such a huge amount of starvation and a total incapacity to reinstitute the uh, infrastructure that's required to keep Afghanistan going. Mm after the earthquake and the floods and everything else is because they don't have any local income. Yep. So what are they going to do about that? Get them to plant tomatoes, potatoes, sorry. Well, many farmers turned to cultivating wheat instead with an Mm. overall increase of 160,000 hectares in cereal cultivation across the Afghan provinces of Farah, Helmand, Kandahar and Nangahar. The report went on to say, though wheat cultivation may alleviate food insecurity to some extent, the crop generates much less income than opium. Mm. Farmers in the four provinces lost around about a billion dollars in potential income in 2023 by switching to wheat, and a billion US dollars is a lot of money in Afghanistan. The UN research found, citing data on drug seizures, that Afghan traders are selling off opium inventories from previous record harvests to weather the shortfall this year. As said, heroin processing had decreased, which may lead to reduced international trafficking and use in Western markets. Mm. Well, we see fentanyl taking over. Indeed. And certainly in the countries that were supplied by Afghanistan, heroin. That's right. They had to do something to Mm. because there's still a market there. No matter what you do, there's still a market. It noted that the value of opium exports until now has often surpassed the value of Afghanistan's legally exported goods and services. The report stressed the need for urgently assisting rural communities, including alternative development support, to build an opium-free future for Afghans. Mm. 
Gardawali, the UNODC Executive Director, said, This presents a real opportunity to build towards long-term results against the illicit opium market and the damage it causes both locally and globally. Today, Afghanistan's people need urgent humanitarian assistance to meet their most immediate needs, <laughs> to absorb the shock of lost income and to save lives. And over the coming months, Afghanistan is in dire need of strong investment in sustainable livelihoods to provide Afghan farmers with opportunities away from opium, end quote. Rosa Otunbiova, the head of the UN assistance mission in Afghanistan, noted in her accompanying remarks that nearly 80% of the population depend on agriculture in a country that already faces acute water scarcity challenges. She said sustainable alternative development efforts must be oriented towards drought-resistant agriculture activities and the effective protection and use of resources. Mm. The report warned that the reduction of opium poppies could spur the emergence of harmful alternatives such as fentanyl and other synthetic opioids. The UNODC reported last September that Afghanistan is turning into the world's fastest-growing maker of methamphetamine, citing the increased seizures of the synthetic drug and reduced poppy cultivation. The Taliban reclaimed power from an American-backed government in 2021, nearly two decades after a US-led international military alliance outed them from power for harbouring the Al-Qaeda terrorist network blamed for the September 2001 terrorist attacks in the United States. Public cultivation and opiate production soared to record levels in the years that followed the US military invasion of Afghanistan, even though the United States was the largest donor for the counter-narcotics program in the country with nearly $9 billion in its appropriations until December 2021. Ironic, that. Mm, funny. Ha, ha. U.S. officials in talks with Taliban representatives in Qatar last July praised the reduction in illicit drug production. A post-meeting statement said Washington, quote, took note of reporting reporting indicating that the Taliban's ban on on opium poppy cultivation resulted in a significant decrease in cultivation during the most recent growing season, end quote. However, donor countries have not yet decided whether to aid the Taliban's war on drugs, citing human rights concerns and sweeping restrictions the hardline rulers have placed on Afghan women, which is Mm. not a major surprise. Yeah. Mm. It just, you know, just further explains that along with the reduction i mean the the insistence on the change in pe- on change in people's behavior yeah. goes with enormous restriction mm-hmm. of um activities and just of civil capacity yeah. to be mm. a person a human yeah. and have human rights particularly with women they are the first 
group that ever gets targeted. And mm. given that they are 50% of the population, if you note any of the media um, releases or the media uh, screenshots from Afghanistan or from Pakistan, there's a total absence of women. Yep. in those media releases or in those screenshots. There's just no women visible mm. and not allowed to be there. They don't exist and they are allegedly uneducated. Well, they have no access to education, so yep. they're not just allegedly uneducated, they are uneducated. Mm. And if they dare to become educated, they get shot. Yep. Yep. Anyway, horrifying, but nonetheless, it's an interesting thing. We're going to a... We're going to a song. This is uh, Susie in the Band. She's live with Sin in My Heart.
That was Susie and the Banshees, live with Sin in My Heart. You're listening to news from the drug war front, brought to you by Karma and the Connection here on People Powered Radio, 2XXFM 98.3. And Marion and Dave, I might add. This we're is, bringing it to you too. Yep, we're bringing it to you too. Um, so this next story comes from New Zealand. Opioids are more potent than fentanyl. Public urged to get drugs checked. This comes from Kelvin MacDonald in TAO Maori News on the 5th of November. The New Zealand Drug Foundation is urging the public to get their drugs checked after a warning was issued late Friday after an orange powder sold in Wellington was identified as nitazine, a powerful synthetic opioid more potent than fentanyl. The notification released by High Alert... New Zealand's drug early warning system is the latest in a series of warnings about the family of synthetic opioids which the foundation said were first detected in the country just a year ago and may already have been linked to several deaths. Drug checking providers report seeing a concerning increase in the synthetic opioids being sold as other substances and Drug Foundation Executive Director Sarah Helm says these are very potent drugs that can cause overdose and death at very low doses, especially if people don't know what they're taking. We've seen them sold around the country in many different colours and forms, including pills, powders, gel caps and liquids, so we are urging people, no matter what they have and how experienced they are, to get their drugs checked if they can. Mm. And drug checking is a free, legal and confidential service available at clinics across Aotearoa. In New Zealand, obviously. And, well, I can't do anything but applaud their action and it seems that they've had it, had drug checking available um, in New, Le- New Zealand for some time, um, which is really interesting. Anyway, it goes on. Ms Helm continues, quote, We are concerned that the variety of forms that these drugs come in can come in and the misinter- uh, misrepresentation of what the drug is may mean people with little experience or preparation are at risk. Even people who are used to taking opioids are finding themselves in trouble because these drugs are so potent, it's hard to measure it and measure an accurate dose. She says that the increase in nitazines in the community shows why improving the availability of naloxone, an opioid overdose reversal uh, medicine, is crucial. Naloxone saves lives and can can reverse a a nitazine overdose. That was what I was going to ask if it worked on nitazine, and it does. We're urging people to get their hands on it if they can, but we need to make it easier to get. Well, that's the interesting thing is that we've got uh, we've got nixoid or naloxone easily available here, but the drug Mm. checking not so much. Yeah, it's a reverse, really, isn't it? Yeah. So High Alert says that enpiridine protonitazine has been implicated in many deaths internationally and is thought to be 25 times more potent than fentanyl. In September, High Alert warned that yellow tablets being sold online as oxycodone were actually metonitazine. So it's, um, yeah, certainly nitazines are starting to appear, both here and in New Zealand. Um, 
there are a cluster of overdoses in Adelaide a month or two back that were um, apparently caused by nitazine. So um, it's a thing that people need to keep checking up on. Indeed, and, um, and use the drug have, checking service where you can. We have a drug can. checking service here in Canberra. So yep, yep, as recorded. Um, okay, horse related uh, tranquil horse okay. tranquilized related deaths. Uh, reported in Hawaii amid disturbing national trend. This is by Lynn Kawano, Hawaii Nas- uh, News Now, from the 4th of the 11th, 2023. Xylazine, an animal tranquilizer, has been found in Hawaii overdose death toxicology reports. Xylazine's use uh, has been spreading across the United States for several years, prompting warnings from drug enforcement officials. Trank, as it's sometimes called, is often mixed with other drugs to create a longer-lasting uh, high, but the combination can be legal. Jer- Gary Yabuta, head of Hawaii's drug high-intensity drug trafficking areas program, told media, quote, we're finding it in fentanyl products, powder and pills on the mainland, and that's where we get our fentanyl products from. Hawaii saw one xylazine-related overdose death in 2019. That was followed by zero deaths in 2020, 2021 and 2022. But this year, there have been at least two so far. One in Oahu in May, the other on Maui in July. The autopsy report from the Oahu death uh, shows a 43-year-old... Wainai man died of a mix of fentanyl and xylazine. The toxicology report shows he also had naloxone in his system as first responders tried to save him. Naloxone or Narcan is a medication that can reverse the effects from fentanyl. This is the article saying this, we already know this, but cannot reverse the effects from xylazine because xylazine is not an overdose. Now, that's interesting. Didn't we just say before that it can work on xylazine? Or no, was that nitazine? Okay. Jim Island, Director of Honolulu Emergency Services Department, said, quote, if people don't wake up with the z- naloxone uh, and they have low blood pressure after using a drug that could be a, that could be a clue to xylazine. Island said EMS emergency services, will then try additional treatments to save emergency service responders, sorry, to save the patient. EMS will have new equipment in the field to detect detect xylazine by the end of the year. The recreational use of xylazine started in Puerto Rico and worked its way to the east coast of the United States and in the past couple of years it's emerged throughout the country and is found in most of America's illicit fentanyl supply. One of the most troubling side effects of xylazine is the formation of deep wounds on the user's limbs, which don't heal normally and can be very difficult to treat effectively. The Centre for Disease Control in the US is currently investigating how xylazine causes these wounds. Meanwhile, Gary Yabuta says he expects an increase in overdeaths overdose deaths in Hawaii related to the tranquilizer now that it's made its way to the islands. I hope I'm wrong, Yabuta said, adding Hawaii is delayed by several years when it comes to drug trends. 
Isn't that funny that they have that kind of delay? It's a little bit like Tasmania. Mm. Yeah. It's more about, I suspect, it's more about the media coverage mm. is more delayed than yeah. the activity is mm. and what yeah. people are. Hawaii is a centre for mm. holiday destinations. Yeah. So they are less likely mm. to promote the availability of illicit I drugs. I seem to remember when ICE really took off in the 1990s that it originally came from Hawaii. Am I misrecollecting is that, right? that or...? I don't recall yeah. that being the case, but mm. that doesn't mean it didn't happen that way, Jeff. Uh, sorry, Dave, because that's my memory. Yeah. Um, and, but I would have thought it was an obvious transition point mm-hmm. for it, particularly if it's coming from China, but then that in itself can be misinformation. Yeah. Um, because is it coming from China? Yeah. Or is it coming from Mexico? Or yeah. is and it a lot of people make who stuff wants up. to blame who? Yeah. yeah, it's more about who are the who are the demons yeah, of the moment. The yeah, the moment. Yeah, and obviously the Taliban are busy not being the demons, but look what's happening. Yeah, their citizens are starving, mm-hmm. and they can't provide infrastructure. They've got no running water, and yeah. you know their health system is a bust. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, how do you become um, the winner in any of these situations when you just you can't provide the infrastructure for your population? Mm. You're, um, and they're busy asking everybody. Afghanistan is pleading with the world for support, yeah. but the Taliban's not. It's mm. their population, supposedly. Yeah. Mm. But, and the, I don't think the Taliban would have the gall to ask for support, given how they're behaving, you know, which is totally contrary to United Nations Convention of Mm. any sort, apart from their Convention on Drugs, Mm. which they've only just started to to comply with because it suits their purpose, but not um, to comply with America because Mm -hmm. they just don't want America to exist either. Yep. It's a... Politically, how do you manage this stuff when it's a nightmare? No matter what you do, mm. you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If you politic, if you know, if you have a a political uh, presence in terms of drugs and alcohol, um, you make any statement, you're either soft on drugs or you're promoting drug use. You just don't win. Anyway, we must be going. We yes. must say goodbye. like sun lays me down with my mind she runs throughout the night no need to fight never a frown with golden brown every time just like the last on her ship tied to the mast two distant lands takes both my hands Never a frown with golden brown 
temptress Through the ages she's heading west From far away, stays for a day 